Welcome back. I hope you all had a happy Clavenless Father's Day. Uh, personally, Father's Day led me to some serious reflections on what a sacred and complex role uh, fatherhood is. And I wanted to bring in an expert and get an expert's perspective on the subject. And who better to talk to than America's dad, Bill Cosby. Cos, it's uh, great to see you uh, still out on bail. It's great to be here. <laughs> I owe it all to my ankle bracelet. So, so you're a father. I never touched her, Theo. <laughs> what, what I mean, what I mean. I don't care what she says, Rudy. She was <laughs> asleep. How would she even know who it was with the touching and the kissing and the licking and the raping? Ah, uh, right. Uh-huh. You know, what I'm, what I'm trying to get here, the subject I'm trying to talk about is what is the secret to fatherhood? Drugs, Theo. <laughs> it's the drugs. Otherwise, they get away with the running and the long legs and the pepper spray. Yeah, they're fast, those women. I'm trying. What, you famously played a father on television, right? Yes, I remember that, Theo. They called me America's dad, you see, because I was such a great husband and a father, you see. On, you were a great husband and father on TV. A good script is the key, boy. <laughs> right, right. See, what I'm trying to get at here is, what if, for those of us who don't have a script, what is the trick to fatherhood? Um, uh, yeah, just take your time. Take your time. I did not know that you were going to be asking that question, you see. <laughs> but just You can just ad-lib. Just tell, tell us what, what you think off the top of your head. Well, first thing is you've got to be there, boy. You must be in the house. That's what the judge told me anyway, Theo. <laughs> the judge, right? I do love comedy. I am a comedian. I do stand-up comedy. But the point is that being a father takes commitment. You don't just become America's dad, boy, by pretending to dispense canned wisdom while actually going out and drugging and raping any woman who comes near you, Theo. Wait, isn't, isn't that exactly how you became America's dad? Forget everything I just said there, boy. <laughs> that is actually how you become America's dad. As long as you are surrounded by the journalists who are determined to ignore everything you do in real life, and just focus on your image, you see. So, essentially, you, you became a great dad the same way Barack Obama became a great president. Plus the sweaters, plus the drugs. Great, that's great. Oh, my ankle bracelet is beeping, <laughs> Theo. I've got to go, you see. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, America's dad, trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. <laughs> I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah I hope my wife didn't hear that <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's really, really funny. All right. I mean, you know, it's, it's not easy to get Cosby on because he's got to stay in the house. Uh, we've, got, we've got the husband of Mrs. Knowles will be with us today to talk about the World Cup. So- oh, I'm sorry. It's every time I say that, somehow I just, you know, Knowles was over the house and we were talking about our sponsors, especially Dynatrap, because I've used Dynatrap in my house. Well, Dynatrap is a modern way to catch flies and rid your uh, domicile of flying insects. And I put it up in my house and they really did do what it said it was going to do, but we don't get that many flies. But Knowles was telling me his apartment is littered with them and this thing just cleaned them right out. And it's really nice because it's not one of those, oh, Dynatrap is not one of those open fly strips that make you look like you're in a film noir movie, you know, with the dead flies. It's very, very subtle. It's a, It's got a light that attracts them, but it it faces the wall and it doesn't, you really don't even know it's there. And then it's easy to clean out when you want to. Uh, it really does change the atmosphere in your house not to have these annoying insects flying around. But you can visit Dynatrap.com, that's D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P.com, and enter the promo code DAILYWIRE, and you get 15% off any of their products. This thing really works. Dynatrap is a safe, silent, and simple solution to household insect control. So, oh, uh, you know, before I, I, I get off on the things we uh, we want to talk about, the conversation is coming up again, and we have a special guest star to tell you all about. Hey, gang. On Tuesday, June 19th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, it's time to tune in for another episode of The Conversation featuring me, Ben Shapiro. If you're a Daily Wire subscriber, now's your chance to ask me all sorts of questions like these. What's your favorite kind of movie to see in, uh, in the sci-fi. movie theater? Because, really? uh, because the visuals usually require you to be in a theater. Because you are a movie buff. Do you even like music at all? I like some of the soft rock. I like Jim Croce. I like John Denver. Have you ever tasted bacon? No, I've never tasted bacon. I've heard it's fantastic. Is it? Is it as good it's, as they say? I mean, dear God, it's amazing. Yes. Are you a fan of any other Chicago team? Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. I'm also a Blackhawks fan. The White Sox only win the World Series once every 100 years. Is your wife a doctor? So the rumor is that she is. The conversation will be on Facebook and YouTube for everyone to watch, but only subscribers will get answers answers to their questions. That's Tuesday, June 19th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. See you then. My my question is this. If you never eat bacon, why do you need to marry a doctor? (laughs) I got to say, I'm watching the news and I am now convinced that all news stories are essentially one news story. All news stories are one news story. What is the story? The story is that for eight years, the media dedicated itself to promoting and protecting Barack Obama. And that changed Obama. And that changed the news media, right? Remember, the media was willing to investigate private citizens who questioned Obama and brought out his socialist instincts. They supported him when he lied about his radical agenda and his deep relationships with the uh, terrorist Bill Ayers and with the anti-America preacher Jeremiah Wright. They supported all this stuff. They played down scandal after scandal, fast and furious, Benghazi, the IRS, the persecution of reporters, and they supported unworkable policies like Obamacare and the Iran deal. And Obama... This is the thing. This is the the true narrative is is if you go back and look at it, Obama didn't realize that the press would be that supine. He knew they supported him. He knew they'd be with him, but he did not realize they would utterly corrupt the institution of journalism to to support him. And at first he made noises about being a moderate, right? He didn't support gay marriage and he would would talk about illegal aliens and say, I can't do anything about this because uh, it's against the constitution. But slowly he realized that he could actually have ax murdered Michelle Obama and the kids 
And the New York Times would have run a feature saying this was a fun new way to treat your family. So once he realized that, he got bolder and bolder and bolder. He dismissed the, you know, he just he would lie. Like he would dismiss the IRS corruption. It's not a smidgen of corruption. He lied about Benghazi on TV. Remember, Candy Crowley, I mean, let's show that clip. Candy Crowley defended him, helped him lie when Mitt Romney called him out. Can you play that cut? It took the president 14 days before he called the attack in Benghazi an act of terror. Get the transcript. It, 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 he did, in, in fact, sir. So let me let me call it an act of Can terror. Can you say that a little louder, Candy? He, he did call it an act of terror. It did as well take it did as well uh, take uh, two weeks or so uh, for the whole idea of there being a riot out there about this tape uh, to come out. You're correct uh, this, about that. Scanley <laughs> Crowley in a debate, debating for Barack Obama. <laughs> An amazing moment, but only really what had been going on the entire time. They were protecting him and they were protecting his plan to fundamentally transform America. Basically, not into like a communist slave state, but into the European uh, socialist state, which we see crumbling. I mean, if you're paying attention now, our economy has taken off like a rocket under Donald Trump, while the European economy is continuing to be mired. In Italy, they have 30% youth unemployment. In uh, Greek Greece and Spain, they have the same thing. And it's, it's rum- there's these rumblings of communism, of fascism, all these things happening as England uh, descends into kind of Islamic <laughs> Islamic rule on the side. Germany, the same thing. You know, and so Europe is dying, and that's what the press, Obama, and the left want for us. So every story is about this. Every story is about the fact that the press lied for eight years, that the press abandoned their post for eight years, that they demonized uh, Mitt Romney, they demonized John McCain, they demonized Joe the Plumber, they demonized you, Sarah Palin, everybody. They demonized just keep this thing in place. And as Obama realized what he could do, he just got more and more corrupt. He corrupted the government more and more because he knew the press would turn a blind eye. We can also talk on another day about the fact that as his policies didn't work, rather than admit it, he turned to race baiting. But that's another day. Let's just talk about what happened to the press. So now every story is about covering up what they did. Speaking of covering up, when you go on the internet at this point, you should know that they are taking every piece of information they can get from you, your address, your name, who you are. And that is why you need Express. VPN. I have just added this to my computer. I have got to tell you, ExpressVPN, VPN, I had to ask, is a virtual privacy network. It protects you while you are surfing the net. And I, this is not a, a license to go out and do bad things like listen to the Michael Knowles show or anything like that. I don't want you to, I, you know, that's, that's harmful to your health. But it does mean that you can look at what you want to look at without people taking all your information. No matter what you do online, your mobile carrier and internet service provider are tracking it all. An ExpressVPN costs less than seven bucks a month. It's rated the number one virtual privacy network service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. I put this thing on. It took me like 90 seconds to get it on. It is working on my computer right now, protecting me from people who want information. Take back your internet privacy today and find out how you can get three months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Clavin. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Clavin for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information at risk. Don't put off that. Don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com/clavin to learn more. I love the thing; it's great. It makes me feel so much safer. All right, so let's take a look at the IG report, right? 
this is, despite the misleading headlines, right, the inspector general's report shows intense bias. It was in, in the inspector general's investigation into the FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. That was the subject. And you have to remember the IG works for justice. He's not, this is not a report for the people. This is a report for justice. It's basically an in-house thing telling him what to do. He said, we did not find documentary or testimonial evidence that improper considerations, including political bias, directly affected the specific investigative decisions we reviewed about the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton's email. But all that means is that no one confessed and no one left a paper trail. The the bias was everywhere. But just look at how the press seized on this, right? Because every news story is one news story. Every news story is to cover up who the journalists have become. Listen to David Brooks selling this thing. The headline to me is that the institution basically worked, that the actual investigations uh, were basically done without any political bias. And that's worth reminding people that there is such a thing as a professional civil service these days. Uh, when everyone thinks it's all political and it's all a swamp. It's not a swamp. Those are hardworking people, and they seem to have been basically doing their job. There have been a couple demerits on that. One, the few emails that were where people within the FBI were clearly had, were motivated by a Trump bias. That, that is utter crap. I mean, that is like crap of the purest Ray Serene. It really is. I mean, I, I don't understand how David Brooks can sit there and look at a camera and use his position to sell that garbage. But that is essentially what they all did on the left, on the entire mainstream media. Several agents in top positions on both the Hillary Clinton investigation and the Russian collusion investigation had expressed toxic hatred of Donald Trump, saying they couldn't understand why anybody did. They said all Trump supporters were, quote, poor to middle class, uneducated, lazy POS. And we all know what that means. The entire investigation took place under the assumption that Hillary would not be prosecuted and that investigators were just going through the motions. They all said this. James, you know, remember James Comey, who got like, they, they cleaned his clock in this report. They called him insubordinate. But they were talking about his decision to announce his, the conclusions of the report without going to the DOJ. Well, why did he do that? He told them, I did that to create a sense of justice more broadly in the country that things are fair, not fixed. Why would he have to do that? Why would he have to reassure the country that things were fair, not fixed, if it weren't for the fact that he knew the DOJ had in, was, it was in fact, it was fixed. They weren't going to prosecute. And the agents were saying things like, this is a lot of work and BS for a political exercise. No one at DOJ is going to prosecute. These are Quotes from the inspector general's report. And at one point, Lisa Page, we all know the paramour of Peter Strzok at this point, she's a top FBI official. And she said she told people when they were going in to question Hillary Clinton, right, she might be our next president. So the last thing you need is us going in there loaded for bear. In other words, take it easy because no one's going to convict this woman. So here's, here's the thing about this. What gets me about this is not what it says about the investigation. It's what it says about the people right this minute at the DOJ, the leadership at the DOJ. When they sent, you know, there's this amazing text, the most, the most mind-boggling text is Lisa Page texts to her adulterous lover. And I said, I like the fact they said we used, we used work uh, phones to send these texts because we didn't want our wives and our spouses to catch us cheating. So in other words, they're cheating on the investigation, but they're also cheating from their spouses. So they have to hide all their cheating from everybody. So Paige Trump uh, texts struck, Trump's never going to become president, right? Right? And Strzok responds, and this is, remember, top investigator on the, in the Hillary email thing and the Russian collusion thing. Strzok says, no, no, he won't become president. 
We will stop it. And the inspector general says this is not only indicative of a biased state of mind, but even more seriously implies a willingness to take official action to impact the presidential candidate's electoral prospects. What's important about this, what's important about this is not the high state of corruption in Obama's DOJ and FBI. What's important is when they sent these texts to Congress, when Congress finally tore these texts out of the clenched fist of the DOJ, they redacted Strzok's response. And that tells you that right this minute, right now, as we are sitting here, the FBI is protecting itself. Christopher Wray, the new uh, the new director of the FBI came out and he said, nothing in this report impugns the integrity of our workforce as a whole or the FBI as an institution like hell it doesn't. It really does. And, you know, Trey, Trey Gowdy, who has been all about, like, let Mueller do his work and let Mueller, you know, we're going to trust Mueller and all this. He is livid. And they are saying that we will impeach Rod Rosenstein if he does not hand over these documents. They had a meeting Friday night. and Congress never works on Friday night where they went in and said, listen, buddy, this is it. Send us these documents. And Trey Gowdy talks about the fact the other important thing about the IG is that impugns the Mueller report by, through no fault of Mueller's. It just means all his witnesses are now uh, no good. Here's, here is, um, here's Trey Gowdy talking about that. Trey Gowdy, former prosecutor, cut number 10. I don't know what Mueller has. I do know this, that bias is so pervasive and everyone who's ever stood in front of a jury and had to explain it away will tell you it is the most miserable feeling of the world in the world. And I have never seen this level of bias. So you have Peter Strzok, who can't think of a single American who can vote for Donald Trump. And you got Peter Strzok, who says, we'll stop it. The campaign and the presidency will stop the campaign. And then if that doesn't work, the day after the election, he's talking about impeachment. So how would you like that to be your lead investigator? Two weeks after you're assigned to look into what a foreign country did to us, the only thing he can think to talk about is an insurance policy to keep Donald Trump from winning. And then he says, we'll stop it. I assume the we is the FBI. So how would you like, if you're Bob Mueller, to present that case to a jury? So when I say every news story is one news story, and it's all about the press covering up its abandonment of its duties in order to sell the the uh, fundamental transformation of America to us in the person of Barack Obama. When we're talking about the border now, and there's this sudden hysteria about children being separated from their parents at the border, we are simply talking about covering up this, covering up the good economy, covering up the fact that uh, Donald Trump has made some leeway, you know, some headway with uh, Kim Jong-un in North Korea. We don't know how that's going to work out, but he made some headway with him. It is all about covering that up and covering up the fact that the, the IRS, the State Department, and the now we know the Justice Department were all corrupted and turned into an urban Democrat machine by the Chicago politician uh, Obama. And every story is about that. Listen to the way, listen to the way the press talked to Sarah Sanders. I'll explain what's going on at the border. All right. Let me let me exp explain this from the top. All right. The Trump administration has not changed any policies or any rules about about the border in terms of separating children from imprisoned parents. There is a rule that all that was went into effect in the 90s, I believe it was, that said you cannot incarcerate children with their parents. The only difference is, is at first, 
a lot of the people coming over the border were all men. But recently, they have become, last 10 years or so, this is before Trump, they've become families. And so as the families are coming over and people are being arrested for breaking our laws, the law says you cannot put the children in prison with the, their arrested family. So the only way to do this would be to let the family and the, uh, let the whole family walk free. And if you do that, you'll never see them again. So in other words, what the press is now mobilizing for in, in part of the fundamental transformation of America that they want to continue is letting everybody in free. They are not concerned about these children who were, in fact, the same policy was in place uh, during the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton herself said that this is what you have to do. Here, here is, a, a, um, what's her name, um, Christiane Amanpour journalist, uh, t- talking to Hillary Clinton about this and trying to get her to say, what do we do with these immigrant kids? It's uh, cut 13. Should they be able to stay here? It's well, safer. It, it may be safer, but that's not the answer. I do not. So should they be sent back? They, well, first of all, we have to provide the best emergency care we can provide. We have children five and six years old who have come up from Central America. We need to do more to provide border security in so southern Mexico. They should be sent back now. Well, they should be sent back as soon as it can be determined who responsible adults and their families are, because there are concerns about whether all of them can be sent back. But I think all of them who can be should be reunited with their families. And just as Vice President Biden is arguing today in Central America, we've got to do more. I started this when I was secretary to deal with the violence in this region, to deal with border security. But we have to send a clear message. Just because your child gets across the border, that doesn't mean the child gets to stay. So we don't want to send a message that is contrary to uh, our laws or will encourage more children to make that dangerous journey. This is Hillary Clinton, who hasn't figured out what the press wants or else she'd give it to them, which is they want an open border so that they can transform our country like Germany has been transformed, like England has been transformed. That's what they want. That is what they're doing. Every story is the same story. It's all about how can the press get to the place that they wanted Obama to get to, but Obama didn't figure out uh, soon enough that he could do anything he wanted and the press wouldn't uh, stop him. Here is Henry Cuellar, a Texas uh, congressman, a Democrat, a Democrat, talking about the fact that the same thing was going on, the same policy was in place during the Obama administration. We know this because when the the, uh, left was first tweeting out pictures of children in cages, they were actually pictures from 2014. So we know that this whole thing is a scam. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying they shouldn't fix the policy. Of course they should fix the policy. That's a legislative matter, not a Trump matter. But but here is Henry Cuellar talking about the fact that this was covered up, a Democrat talking about the fact that this was covered up under Obama. There was, according to the Washington Post reporting, uh, you know, a surging number of unaccompanied minors being apprehended at the border. In 2014, there were nearly 70,000, according to the Post reporting. And that same year, there was this viral image of children being kept in a cage at a detention center. Do you see any parallels here? How different is what we're seeing today from these images? In many ways, and I think I was, I don't know what image you're using, but I released some of those photos because it was kept very quiet under the Obama administration. There were large numbers of people coming in. The Obama administration was trying to keep this quiet. And, and I don't know which image you're using, but I let I released some photos uh, that I had gone about those young kids who were kept there. And we're still seeing a, a numbers. So let's just compare the way the media has questioned the presidential spokesman on this 
uh, as opposed to the way they did under the Obama administration. Here's cut number 16 of Sarah Sanders being abused by our completely dishonest press. You're a parent. Don't you have any empathy for what these people are going through? They have less than Brian, you do. Guys, Sarah, come on, settle down. Seriously. I'm trying to be serious, but I'm not going to have you yell out a term. Jill, please call. It's a law, and, and they have, th- these people have nothing. They hey, Ryan, I know you want to get some more TV it's time, but that's that. not what it's this not is about. about if I want to recognize you, question, go ahead, Sarah. Jill. Honestly, answer Good the question. question. It's a serious question. These people have nothing. They come to the border with nothing, and you throw children in cages. You're a parent. You're a parent of young children. Don't you have any empathy for what they go through? That is shameful. I mean, if we don't have a country that is run by the law, then the country is simply run by men. It's run by what people think is good at that moment. And who would be in charge of that? Oh, it would be Donald Trump. Do they want that? No, of course they don't. Let me, let's just compare that to the way the press treated Obama, who was doing exactly the same thing, exactly the same policies. Just take a look at cut number two here. People in the mainstream media have uh, been accused of being afraid to speak truth to power. And I've got, I've got some truth to power for okay, you right now. Ahead. I've been observing. Yeah. Your dog looks like he's out of control. <laughs> yeah, so that's what Obama is thinking right now as he watches the, the media covering up for him. He's thinking this. <laughs> you know, I just want to remind you before we go to Michael Knowles and talk about the World Cup. I'm sorry, I dozed off. Right? Um, before we go to Knowles and talk about whatever it was, I've I forgotten now what I was t- even talking about. I, I just want to remind you, it is three years. I think it's three years today or yesterday that Trump announced his candidacy. I want to play this montage of, of the press reaction to this. I am officially running for president of the United States. There are no words. How do you even have a straight face right now? There are no words to describe what just happened. Ed Rendell, do you have any doubt that this is anything more than a carnival show? And you watched our speech today. We all laugh about it. And I'm sitting here laughing out loud, you know. Yep. You know, for for the entire, you know, front part of the show here as we're talking about it. I mean, it was a rambling, a rambling mess of a speech. That said, it was very entertaining. I was howling, howling. He's got gumudgeons of money. He's got a lot of recognition. And he just became the 12th presidential candidate for the Republican Party. Uh, Is it typical Donald Trump fashion or is it hilarity run amok? This morning, some Republicans say they're worried Trump will turn the campaign into a circus. Party leaders worry Trump's presence will turn the primary into a joke. America's largest Latino civil rights organization called Trump an exceedingly silly man. Donald Trump is a fool. Hell froze over, and now we're stuck in the ice with Donald Trump. Chuck, you and I have seen this public dance from Trump before. I guess the question is, is this candidacy for real? Will it be significant? It's like, I can't, I can't tell if this is politics or if this is just PR from a celebrity. For the National Press Corps and other elites, Donald Trump's campaign is a pure vanity exercise and a target ripe for outright mockery or low-level derision. On the one hand, he's a late-night joke. Half an hour, the most beautifully ridiculous jibber-jabber. On the other, he's the proverbial skunk at the garden party. All right, I just wanted you to hear that last line especially. He is the skunk at the garden party. Whose garden party do you think that is? Who, whose garden party? It's the elites. It's the press. He's the skunk at the garden party. It happens to be a garden party full of skunks, but they didn't mention that. that when I say every news story is one story, that's the story somebody 
broke up the garden party that was moving so smoothly toward a European vision of the dead West. All right, we got Michael Knowles coming up, and I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. If you come on over to thedailywire.com for crying out loud for a lousy 10 bucks a month, you can uh, watch the entire show on the site. You can ask questions of Ben tomorrow on the conversation. You can have questions in the mailbag where you get the real answers, right? Because they come to me. And, and, and just enjoy a lot of things. And if you, uh, if you subscribe for a year for a lousy 100 bucks, you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr, which magically fills up every time I speak. Michael Knowles, coming up. All right, Knowles, you there? I'm here. I'm back. <laughs> You're back. How you doing? Uh, I have to thank you for this assignment because usually when I have to cover something terrible, such as, say, the World Cup, yeah. you make me watch it. But this assignment explicitly focuses on why nobody is watching the World Cup, no including myself. Watch, no one can watch the World I mean, I, I have to say, I, I, lived in Europe, I lived in England for seven years, and I missed sports terribly. So I would try to watch... Uh, what they would call, what they hilariously call football, right? And wait, I'm sorry, I, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, I was talking <laughs> talking about. And I even one year dedicated myself to watching World Cup. <laughs> I drew, drew, get up, get up. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Hey, you got what, talk- what were we talking about? I, <laughs> um, you know, it, you just can't. You can't watch it. First of all, nobody uses his hands. God gave you. You know why God gave you hands to throw balls with? That's the whole point. <laughs> God made balls. He made hands, and that you know, that's the whole point of. It. At least in hockey, you know, you, like you're, you're using your feet a lot. You're kind of, you know, skating and everything. But at least then you can rip the gloves off and start punching people in exactly, the face. Exactly. That requires hand-eye coordination. The soccer, the soccer thing is just one of those uh, experiences we have in our virtue signaling culture where everyone has to talk about it to prove they're a good person, but not a soul is watching it. That, is it, it, nobody's watching it, right? Tell me nobody. I got to tell you the good news, because yeah. I was a little nervous when I dug into these numbers. I thought maybe it really is getting popular. All I do is watch CNN. What do I know? Turns out nobody is watching the World Cup. World Cup ratings are down a full 50% in early <laughs> metrics over 2014. But that's only because it's so boring, right? I that's mean, only, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but what you would expect, by the way, is that people would turn it on to prove that they're a good person who likes Europe and, you know, right. wah, 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 and then just fall asleep and sleep for an hour or two. And then wake up, but they would still get the ratings. Even that is not happening. So uh, that year, you know, uh, in 2014, that was the big highlight year. It happened in Brazil. People were finally pretending to watch. What's important to notice here is that the ratings on ESPN were significantly lower than the ratings on Univision. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. that, te- that tells you a lot of the story. This is obviously just a looking toward uh, Latin America and toward Europe, trying to pretend like uh, we would rather be like the rest of the world instead of like America. Uh, by the way, Fox News is posting a 61% drop over what ESPN had in 2014. So you've got Fox, a network, posting a 61% drop over that big year. There was there was some rebound on the second day of the World Cup this year. So okay. what the fake news media are trying to tell you is, oh, that was just a weird glitch, but now it's all coming back. Not true. If your ratings drop 60% over its high, and then they rebound 50%, that is a very modest uh, rebound for the second day. Now, part of the reason, by the way, why the U.S. Uh, isn't watching is because we're not in this tournament. Okay. So, yeah. the, you know, the, the reason we're not in the World Cup this year is that the United States, I don't even know if I can say this, 
We lost to Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> well, that just means that just means our best athletes are going into other sports, right? Yeah, yeah that is true. Yeah, and the grade schoolers who are playing a major league soccer, or they they lost to Trinidad and Tobago. So, I mean, so, this is no, this is this is true though. When you have in in the arts, when poetry was the big thing, all the great writers became poets. When novels were the big thing, they they became novelists. Now, TV, all the good writers are going into TV. Nobody is going to go into the sport of soccer because nobody watches. No American athlete is going to go into the sport of soccer unless he can't get into anything else because nobody watches. I'm not the most athletic guy in the world, but if I were going to go into a sport, I would be more likely to put on my Rachel Maddow glasses and play in the (laughs) WNBA before I would play in Major League Soccer. and you you have been having the God King. I, I don't know why the God King should grace your show. I mean, you know, you know, I, I can't imagine. Maybe it's just one of those things like he feels sad for the, like Jesus feels sad for the poor. And the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he condescends to come on. But Jeremy Boring has been coming on your show and talking about this. And the fact that we, who do we get beaten by? Tobago? To to Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. But that actually tells you something about the sport, doesn't it? It tells you that it is not a reflection of national skill or national talent or anything. Of course it does. It, yeah. it, what, it, what it really is, is a, a, a large propaganda effort that has been going on for years. It is, isn't it? Yeah. They're begging Americans to watch soccer. And it, it's interesting. I, I looked at all of these articles about it. Bleacher Report put up one, five reasons why Americans should like soccer. Fatherly.com. Sports dads should be watching soccer with their soccer playing kids. Uh, Real Clear Sports. Top 10 reasons to watch soccer instead of football. <laughs> uh, the, the Alabama newspaper, AL.com. Here are five reasons why you should be watching World Cup soccer. Fox 5, four reasons why Americans should care about the 2018 World Cup. If you need to convince somebody, it's probably not the most engaging sport. And they're making a moral argument, aren't they? They're not making the argument that this thing is so great that, because, come on, you know, they're making, they're making the argument there's something wrong with us for not liking this. That's right. And no, I I don't see articles popping up on ESPN. You have to watch Major League Baseball, top 10 reasons why you should tune into football because people like those sports. So they're going to watch it unless uh, Colin Kaepernick starts spitting on the American flag. (laughs) But but people, even then, some people will still watch. They're making these moral arguments. And uh, BreakingMuscle.com, a website that I have just discovered, you imagine, not in my bookmarks queue. uh, (laughs) BreakingMuscle.com actually is pretty honest about this. They say, here are the three reasons Americans should love soccer and the three reasons they don't. The three reasons they should love soccer, I kid you not, they, they list athleticism, strategy, and fan enthusiasm. The, the three hallmarks of any sport, right? That, that is the yeah. definition of a yeah, professional that's true. sport. That is a sport. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it isn't terribly athletic. You know, they fall on the ground and pretend it hurts. Uh, there isn't much strategy. A ball bounces back and forth and they just run around randomly. And fan enthusiasm, you're admitting there's no fan enthusiasm. So clearly, you know, you're undercutting your own argument. But they're very <laughs> honest in the reasons why they don't. And the three reasons are speak to the anti-Americanism of soccer. The first is how they take dives. So, you know, what soccer people do, uh, when, when people play soccer at the age of three and they skin their knee, they're genuinely crying. Uh, they no. really hurt because they're little toddlers. Uh, when they do it at the age of 30, they're pretending, right? So they, they fall and they say, oh my gosh, that's I, the way they bring out all the paramedics because they, you know, stub their toe. I, they, they do this in basketball a little bit and I hate it. I just like, you know, take the hit and keep going. I well, mean. the reason they do it is it's cheating. 
What they want, it really is, it's cheating. Yeah. They want to, penalties to uh, be incurred by the other side because the, the, the ability to win this game is basically uh, non-existent. It's, it's mostly random. There's a ton of uh, uh, power in the referees here. So you have penalty goals, right? Penalty goals, 85% of the time, uh, penalty kicks just means a goal. There's, uh, when, when you kick a penalty, you're almost certainly going to score that goal. No. And games can be decided one to zero. So, you know, like Europe, but unlike America, there is so much power in the hands of unelected, unaccountable referees <laughs> who have nothing to do with the people playing the sport. And, and finally, uh, soccer and BreakingMuscle.com admits this, uh, ends in ties a lot of the time. And America doesn't like ties. Who we, likes ties? I we mean, have yeah. been so upset about that tie on the Korean Peninsula 70 years ago that <laughs> Donald Trump is staking his presidency on breaking it. I mean, who, who really goes to a, a game to see people not win or lose? I mean, that is not why you go to the game. Well, you know, what you would expect, right, is uh, the, what you have is the soccer players, they come out, and I don't know, they usually sit down and have a nice little tea set before, and they say, oh, good, good show, chap. Yes, yes, well, we can all, we're all winners. Here's your participation trophy. But when we play sports, the reason we play sports is to vent some aggression, have a little bit of tribalism, you know. And show uh, who's the best. Exactly. The yeah. Best. Yeah, yeah. And when you don't have that tie, then what happens, or when you have a tie or when you have a boring game that doesn't involve a lot of aggression or a lot of tribalism, is you have uh, fans creating all of the aggression. So you have the soccer hooligans in the UK yep, yep. and you have um, uh, Mexico soccer fans uh, creating man-made earthquakes over the weekend because of the soccer game. Is that true? That is true. There was, you couldn't really feel it, but seismologists <laughs> to, uh, measured a, uh, two, uh, a two level earthquake it, after the soccer game because the fans were stampeding because they needed a little athleticism. They, all were, <laughs> they were sleeping for so many hours. They needed to get up and stretch I, their Legs. But it is true that if the teams are not going to beat each other, if they're not going to win, it makes incredible frustration. And the fact that the ball moves back and forth across that field for, uh, what is it? it's like an hour, I guess. Yeah. It moves back and forth across that field and never goes in the damn goal. I mean, that would drive anybody insane. Until no the referee decides, yeah. until the unelected EU bureaucrat, I assume, <laughs> decides that someone is going to score a goal or not. It makes you go cross-eyed. You go there, 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 there. You, <laughs> you know, the other thing about this, underneath all this is, is an attack on American exceptionalism. It's an attack on the idea that Americans should be different. America should be different from the history of the world, the rest of the world, which leads me to ask the question, have any of these journalists read the history of the world? Do they know how bad it has been until we got here? I mean, really, this this last few years of America has been the best of the history of, of the world has ever been because of us, because of us, you know? It's like all, all we get from Europe for 2,000 years was murder and mayhem and bloodshed, and we finally crushed them. We finally managed to destroy them. And now it's been peaceful. It's pretty peaceful. You know, got occasional Muslim blowing something up. But aside from that, I, I just think they're completely out of their mind. By the way, Iran has a soccer team in the World Cup. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. That's a, that's a cheap shot, as are all shot, shots in soccer. Uh, the the pro problem here is that it's all about this reflexive anti-Americanism. Yep. There's not much logic to it. You know, you, even the people promoting soccer admit that the logic of the sport is a little weak. It's a, you know, and, and not quite American, but there's no logic. They just say, well, the world is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. Right, and exactly. we're, so we should 
Because right. we're bad and we're the baddies and they're the good ones. Yeah, they should leave their offices and visit the rest of the world. They'll know why we, we want to be exceptional. What's uh, what's on your show today? So today, <laughs> today we, we've actually got, because we haven't covered this enough, we have the God King of the Daily Wire. Uh, we, have, we do have the Daily Wire 2 sports correspondent, Jeremy Boring, coming on uh, the show to discuss soccer. We're also going to be talking about zero tolerance. This is going to be my new zero tolerance policy. We're going to be separating fake Republicans from their party. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be uh, analyzing that through the ages. So it should be fun. It's much more fun than the World Cup. Uh, well, that's not saying much, but <laughs> all right. thanks a lot, Knowles. I'll see you later. See you, Drew. All right, our crappy culture. So I'm sure that you've probably noticed uh, the marches taking place today in your homes for gun control after the mass shooting that took place over the weekend. Oh, wait. There are none. There are none. And yet, and if you watch TV, unless you're watching Fox, which did play something about it today, they are not covering one of the worst mass shootings of 2018, of this year, right? I'm reading this from Jazz Shaw at Hot Air. In the pre-dawn hours yesterday, the nation experienced yet another mass shooting, one dead, 22 injured, including a 13-year-old boy. It took place at the crowded Art All Night Trenton Festival in New Jersey. A couple of cable news outlets mentioned the shooting in their coverage yesterday and this morning. The New York Times wrote a lengthy article but buried it on page A17. The Associated Press took a fairly deep dive on it, but you need to search around a bit on the website to find it. Obviously, what is the problem? There can only be two things, right? Either it was committed by uh, a Muslim, which I think would make the news. They wouldn't be able to cover that up. It's because it was a black gang. Gunmen opened fire at an all-night arts and music festival early Sunday morning, sending people running over each other in the scramble to safety, authorities said. One suspect was killed, 22 people, 22 people injured. It's a a miracle more people weren't killed the way from the films that I watched. The guns, gunplay, the bullets are flying everywhere around. This is being censored because of the narrative, right? It's the, it's... Uh, it makes, I don't know what, what they're going to say, it makes black gangsters look bad because we know that gangsters are have the spark of deity or whatever the hell Nancy Pelosi says they have. So they're just not going to report it. It's not a problem. If black people are being shot and wounded, it is not a problem that you need to take to the streets. It's only when they can get some kind of, they can get at your Second Amendment rights because all news stories are one story. Let's transform America into the rest of the world so it can be just as crappy as the rest of the world is. This censorship is being mirrored on YouTube when it comes to Islam. You know, there are so many uh, voices of Islamic moderation that are attacking Islamism, and they are being censored on YouTube. Those voices, moderate Islamic voices are being censored. Ayan Hirsi Ali, who's no longer a Muslim, uh, but she's an anti-Islamist campaigner who was a Muslim, and she's a women's rights activist. She's being uh, censored. Kurm Dara, a prominent American Muslim author, uh, obviously, PragerU, which is not a Muslim, but is, has attacked uh, radical Islam. By censoring these people, YouTube and the rest of our friends in Silicon Valley are essentially giving quarter to the worst of Islamic culture. They are giving quarter to those Islamic people who feel that this is got to t- violently take over the world, that it's got to be a violent attack on America and on the West, that it, in order to uh, worship Allah, they've got to kill people, they've got to destroy any culture that doesn't support them. Those voices are the only voices left if you silence the other. So in other words, 
The left is doing what it always does. It's getting the opposite results of what it is supposed to want by silencing the voices that say, hey, there is a problem in black culture, uh, in black neighborhoods, by silencing the voices that say there is a problem in Islamic culture. They're giving a free reign to the worst people in those cultures, the worst people in those neighborhoods. And the reason is they want to they won't abandon the narrative. The the, uh, minority communities and the Islamic community are abandoned by the left because otherwise they would have to change their narrative that all evil is due to white oppression instead of arising out of philosophies that are native to the culture, philosophies that are native to Islamic culture, that are destroying their culture and attacking ours, uh, philosophies and practices and ideas that are prevalent in uh, poor black neighborhoods that have been supported by liberal democratic um policies. They've been supported by those policies, but they are endemic to those cultures and those neighborhoods. And they don't want to change that narrative. They would rather that black people get shot. They would rather Islamics blow things up, including themselves, than change their minds and change their narrative. I got to say goodbye, but that's it. We will be back tomorrow with more stuff. Until then, I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show, and we will see you tomorrow. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Emily Jai. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.